my grandson Keone, who's side, he's going to stay up here this week. Um, he uh, he's been in pirate mode for about a couple of months now. I mean, pirate mode, and we've been kind of, you know, doing the pirate. He comes over on Fridays. We get to have him on Fridays, so mom and dad can have a little bit of a break, and we love having him, and he, mostly, I think, now it's he gets a little break from his sister, right? You like having a little break from your little sister sometimes? All right, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so we get him on Fridays, and we have things planned. The dude, we're like, where do you want to go to eat? Guess what he says every week? Golden Corral. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude, he wants to go to Golden Corral, and we make it all work. It's awesome. And then we go home, make some popcorn, and we watch movies. And so for the last, like, month, actually, we've been kind of watching Pirates of the Caribbean. And anybody seen Pirates of the Caribbean? All right? And, and I have all of them, actually. In fact, somebody asked me one time, what, what, what's your favorite movies? And what are your, you know, favorite characters? And I said, well, I, I know pirates are gangsters and all of that. I, I do understand all that. They're not good guys, but... Uh, anyways, uh, you know, I, I told someone, Pirates of the Caribbean, and I like Jack Sparrow. And, and the reason is, is because he never knows he's failed. <laughs> it, it can look dismal. He's trapped in prison. It doesn't matter. He never quits. When you quit, it's over. And so he never knows he's failed. He just kind of, when you're dead, you're dead. It's done. But until that point, it can work out, and you got cool stories. So cool, they make movies about it, right? So anyways, uh, I like watching. I find encouragement in that. I like Forrest Gump for the same reason also. He's kind of like me. He ain't the sharpest marble in the box. And so all the insults everybody throws at him goes right over his head. He doesn't get it, and he just keeps going. Y'all ever notice that with me? But I'm just saying. So, so I resemble that remark. But anyways, uh, but we've been watching Pirates, and I love Pirates. It's kind of cool. But one of the themes that runs through it, we were in Pirates 3 last uh, on Friday night, and then yesterday was the Fort Pierce Pirate Festival. If you all missed that, dude, it was, it was like the Pirate Festival, and we went through the scavenger hunt, and Keone was decked out and made so many people's day as he wore his pirate costume, not only there, but to the restaurant and everywhere else he went. But, uh, but uh, so, so in Pirates of the Caribbean, how many of y'all know about Jack Sparrow's compass? Anybody know about his compass? He's got a compass, and he got it from, you know, the lady who actually turns into Calypso, and I'm not going to ruin it for you if you haven't seen all this, but he gets it, he had a compass, and it starts in Pirates 1, goes to Pirates 2, goes at least to Pirates 3, which is where we're at. Are we watching Pirates 4 next week? Okay, all right, all right, good. And, and, and the compass is there, and it's so crazy that Zane said what he said. I want you to know we don't plan this stuff. Uh, we ain't smart enough to plan it all. <laughs> we, God just puts it together. We try to follow and we try to listen, but Jack Sparrow's compass Guess where it points, Zane? It points to the thing that the person holding the compass wants the most. Yeah, I'm telling you, his compass points to the... It, it, no matter who gets the compass during the movie, whoever's got it, it points to whatever they want most. And it spins, and it, it could be a bad guy, it could be a good guy, it could be a girl, it could be a guy, it could be all kinds of things, but they have that compass, and, and it's a whacked-out compass. And somebody who doesn't know what it's for, they just know it doesn't point north. They're like, well, that ain't right. But if you know what it's for, it points to the thing you want most. And that's what's going to then direct them to the thing they want most. Now, one of the controversies that you see played out in the entire movie is that sometimes the person who's holding the compass knows the very thing they want the most is not the best thing. Have you ever, have you ever had your compass point that way? You want something so bad, and, and it, you know that's what you want, but you know it's not right. It's not the best thing, but, man, it's hard to get your compass off of that. And then it's also awesome where they think they know what they want most, but it keeps pointing at the same thing or the same person. And then they realize, wow, that is what I want most. And so you know what? Scripture does that for us. Scripture is our compass. It's not our moral compass, but Scripture is our compass that's going to point and show us what we want most, but then it's going to change our heart because it's alive. And when Scripture, when it's alive and it kind of starts working in our heart, you can watch your compass needle change and your desires change. And now you want what God wants. Hey, listen, man, if you want what God wants, you get what you want. Amen? All right. So if you want what God wants, what do you get? What you want, because God's will is what's going to happen. And so we've got to line up with Scripture. We allow Scripture that is living, it's relevant, it's the only book that is alive and can change you. We allow that to change our, not only show us where we're pointed in the wrong direction, 
but we allow it to change our desire so that we want what God wants and then we get what God wants. And so that's where we're at in Ephesians 3, in the second part of Ephesians 3, for those of you that want to get there in your Bible, and uh, didn't see the outline on Facebook this morning, but uh, in this, we're going to look at Paul's prayer. And the Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He told us last week, he said, dude, I am a prisoner. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of, 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 the, of the Roman government. I'm not a prisoner of, of the Jews who threw me in there for starting an insurrection, they said. I'm not a prisoner of myself. I'm, not, I'm a prisoner of God. I'm following God, and God put me here, so this is the greatest place in the world for me to be. How many of y'all think prison would be a really awesome place for you to be? Nobody? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that's not work for you either, but if you end up there... <laughs> Dude, what does God want you to do? He wants you to help people see life from God's perspective, right? And so, man, God often determines his will for our lives by what he provides, where he puts us, what we're doing. And so often, God wants us just to see where we are, what's going on. He wants us to live there and realize it's no accident. And so in this prayer that we're going to see from the Apostle Paul, He's going to tell us to change the inside, not the outside. Pray more for your inside than your outside. Because right where you're at, what's going on, everything that's happening is by God's design. And here it is, Zane. According to Romans 8, 28, all, we know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the next verse, verse 29, says it's for God's glory and our good. When you go through all those theological terms, it's all there to make us more like Christ. But if we're always praying for the outside to be changed instead of our inside to be changed, we miss God's purpose. It's all about the inside. How many of y'all would look back at your prayers and say that many, in fact, most of your prayers are something to the effect that God would change your circumstance, your situation, change that person, everything on the external that he would change that, as opposed to... How often you pray that he would just rip you apart and change everything on the inside. How many of y'all would admit, all right, let's not admit for yourself, for somebody else you know that shares their prayer request with you. Other How many of y'all say, yeah, dude, they're always praising for God to change something, right? Heal me, get rid of this disease, get rid of, get me a new house, get me a new neighbor, get me a new car, get me new, you know, change all these external things. How many of y'all would say that you know people where it might be a little lacking that they pray for their inside to change. And that's where Paul says that's what's most important because that's what's going to get you pointing your compass, that compass towards God. That's where you're going to want what he wants. And it's the most valuable thing in the world. In fact, Israel missed God for this very reason. Let me ask you a question. If you are poor and have no money, what kind of God do you want? A God to make you rich, right? If you're sick physically, what kind of God do you want? A God that'll do what? Heal you. If you are a nation that has been oppressed by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Medo-Persians, by the Persians, by the Greeks, and now the Romans, and a Messiah is coming, what kind of God do you want? A military God to come and kick the latest oppressor's tail and give us freedom. Because if I didn't have this oppression, I could worship God. Right? How many of y'all think that if something on the outside changed, you could worship God better? I'm just being honest. Y'all ain't raising your hands for nothing today. All right? I don't know if y'all just warm right there. But literally, so often that's what we think. I can worship God if this would change. You put me in this position. Give me this job. Give me this source of income. Give me, give me, give me. Let me tell you what I need, God. And if you meet all those needs, man, I will worship you and tell everybody how awesome you are. How many of y'all know somebody that sounds like? Cuss your hand. And hopefully it's a dude you see in the mirror, all right? Or dudette. <laughs> Sorry for you girls, but yeah. That's it. So often that's what we're looking for. Man, what, uh, Zane, you and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Psalm 37.4, God just put in my heart. You guys know Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. That Hebrew word delight means to twist. It means to be flexible. It means not to be, uh, th this, is this microphone flexible or is it rigid? 
It's rigid. And if this was the mold of Christ, and this is God putting pressure on this microphone, okay, to make it conform. JJ, what are you looking at, bro? Jay's like, it's not my budget, man. This is God's microphone. If I were to put enough pressure to try to get this rigid microphone to conform to the image of this chair, what's going to happen to the microphone? What's going to happen to you? Yeah. Whereas what God wants us to be is he wants us to be flexible. We got to be like the strap on this backpack, man. God puts, anybody ever have God put pressure on you? Yeah, and you know what the mold is? Whenever you put something in a mold, you have to put pressure. You have a mold, you have pressure, and you have the moldable object. If the moldable object isn't moldable, it breaks, right? And aren't you glad that when God breaks you, he can put you back together again? And through the word of God, he can make you pliable. But what the goal is, is he puts pressure on us, and he says, I want to conform you to the image of Christ. So you put pressure on what happens to the strap. It conforms to this image. And if it stays here long enough, it'll be in that image. And that's what God's plan is. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us in this prayer. I love when God shows us prayers in the Bible. Man, prayers are, what's the difference between prayer and worry, Karen? Who you're talking to, right? Difference between prayer and worry is who you're talking to. And so if God will take a prayer which is talking to him, and he will put that in Scripture what do you think he's doing that for? Anybody? Hey, Brad, I know you haven't answered a question all morning. What do you think? He, why do you think God would put somebody's prayer in the Bible? What do you think he wants us to do with it? Yeah, God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for those of you who haven't been here, I always said, if you don't know the answer, just say God. Now, let me ask you guys. <laughs> all right. Good job, Brad. I don't know of any prayers necessarily where God says, okay, here's this dude's prayer, don't do that. There might be some in there, but the majority of the prayers, God puts them in there and says, I'm trying to show, this is something I'm pretty pleased with. And that's a conversation. It's like, you know, you're, somebody's talking to God and he's like, dude, I like this. I'm gonna, I like it. I'm going to give you a hint. How many of y'all guys need hints for Valentine's Day? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, you need hints. We need more than hints. We are brain dead, all right? And there is no Google Translate for women. So if you actually tell us what you want, I know it takes all the fun you guys think out of it, but we're in misery. We, we got to know. We're not smart enough to figure it out. We try. And we're like, here, I got you these new little slippers that have dust mops on the bottom. So as you walk around, you clean the house. What? You don't like those? No, I'm joking. So God's giving you more than a hint when God puts a prayer in Scripture like this one. God is saying, you see how this dude talked to me? Do you see the subject of what he talked to me about? Do you see how he talked? Dude, this is a hint. This is a strong hint. I really would like you to mimic and copy this, but I really want it coming from your heart in all of this. And so, man, when we see these prayers, it's a pretty phenomenal thing. And uh, let's see here if I can get this. Uh, all right. Are we ready to go? How great a chasm lay between us. All right. Hey. Are you going to get me there? The work is finished. Oh, all right. Here we go. Pray. <laughs> I could use that because, you know, the illustration that I had in my head is, man, do you think that if I had a guitar like JJ's, I could play a guitar. I could play, I could play like JJ. Do you think if I had drums like Marissa, I could play drums like Marissa? Do you think if I had a bass like Gary, dude, I could be up there so calm? Man, he's slow dancing. Do you ever get jealous of his bass? I'm just saying, dude, he is just like, whoo, man. That's what you give her for Valentine's Day. Come on out there. No, just play for her, man. Write a song. I watch you on that bass, man, and you're just loving God in that, you know? If I had a bass like Gary, could I play as good as him? No. If I had a, oh, what if I had a better microphone? Could I sing like the girls? No, I actually have a better microphone, and you should be glad it's off during the worship service, all right? It's not about that equipment. It's not about the outside. It's the inside. And the world tries to sell us through marketing and everything else. No, you need this product to get better. Dude, if I want to be a better drummer, it's, I don't need a new set of drums. I need, a better drum. I need to be a better drummer. If I want to be a better singer, I don't need a new microphone. I need to be a better singer. 
if I want to be more like God, I don't need all this external fluff. What I need is I need to be more like God from the inside out. And that's what he's telling us in this, in this prayer. Pray more for your inside than your outside. I want to challenge you in your prayers. Everything we talked about, no, no accident. It was all about prayer. And I'm not saying don't pray for your outside. Don't pray for God to change things. But take a survey, take an audit on how you pray and start looking at how often you actually pray for God to change you on the inside compared to how often you're asking him to change your outside. Because when God looked at this prayer from the Apostle Paul, dude, it's all about the inside. And Paul was in prison. He's like, there's no better place for me to be. When he was writing the book of Philippians, he's like, yeah, man, circumstances can make your joy leak. But when your joy comes from a relationship with a living God, it's all cool no matter where you're at and what you're doing. And that's where you need to be. So he was there by God's design. Pray for your inside more than you pray for your outside. Notice I didn't say don't pray for your outside. It's really cool to hear how God changes circumstances and things. But it's also pretty cool to hear how he changes our heart. I think that's what you were talking about, Scott. How's it going? What was your answer to your uncle or whoever? Oh, stepdad. Yeah, nothing's changed, but everything has. Because it changed from the inside out. All right, so pray more for your inside and outside. So here it is. Oh, Acts 1.8. This, this is a little land yap, a little extra for you. Uh, and in case you're wondering how I was going to fill the time we have remaining, I just need to add a little extra here. But um, that's a joke, y'all. No, I'm just like, <laughs> I got plenty of things to fill the remaining time and then some. But, but listen to this. Here's what he said. And Jesus said in Acts 1, Jesus was telling the apostles, they're like, you're going, you're leaving. Oh, man, everything's based on you. You tell us what to do and we do it. And that's been our deal. Now you're dead. You're buried. You're resurrected. Okay, you're ascending. You're leaving again. What do we do? And he, go, he said, well, y'all remember all that I told you in the end of John about the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. And it's going to be better for you to have a Holy Spirit living inside of you than it is for me to be here physically. It's going to be better for you. So he said, go wait. You guys wait. And here's the deal. When you, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Pentecost. And how many of y'all have the Holy Spirit living in you right now? Yeah, if you're a born-again believer, you got all the Holy Spirit there is at salvation. Only he doesn't have all of you. And so that's the goal in sanctification is giving him more and more of you, surrendering more and surrendering more to realize the power you already have. Paul doesn't ask that God gives the Ephesians new power. He just says, help them tap into the power they've already got. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when the Holy Spirit come upon you. When he come upon you? When you got saved. You got him. He's there. How many of y'all are still living in the flesh and not tapping into that? Oh, I'm going to resist. There's that button that says don't push. The big red button that says don't push. What, what are you doing? What are you looking at? The red button. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to resist it for 23 hours and 59 minutes. And then I push it. Ah! Because that's all your flesh can handle in resisting. Anybody, and then what do you feel like after you pushed it? Oh, I'm such a failure. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He's like, don't even pay attention to that button. Dude, come over here. I got some really cool stuff for you to do. And then all of a sudden, the other little, you know, the little devil and the little angel on your shoulder going, hey, go look at the button. Heck no, I ain't looking at the button. Look what I got over here. You're now paying attention to what God wants. You're enamored with God, doing what God is. You love him and you're there. You don't even care about that anymore. You want to know how to get off drugs? Get out of a lifestyle where you've got them infiltrating your life. You want to know how to get rid of porn? Get the exact same thing. Every single thing in life, it's not a matter of, oh, the Holy Spirit, give me power. He will give you power. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, if this is your weakness, God, please keep me away from this. Keep me away. But the moment that I am in this, please let me know that your grace is sufficient and I don't have to give in. But the fact is, you know how he leads you away from temptation? By leading you away from temptation, which is following him. And you don't even care about that back there, right? It's when we go back. But he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my what? Here it is. Help me out. Witnesses. 
okay? You will be my witnesses. Is there a difference between a witness and a lawyer? What's a lawyer do? Anybody, help me out. What's a lawyer do? They present a what? I see some of y'all laughing. You're like, I'm a lawyer, and I am not telling anybody I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That's true in most professions in church. You don't want anybody to know what you do because then they're going to want a discount for doing it. But anyway, I'm just saying. But Everybody's going, yeah, no. But listen, Jay used to be an accountant, so if y'all need, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it's good to have you guys back. So what, what does a lawyer do? A lawyer presents a case, right? And what does a lawyer use to present case? Well, first of all, they get, they get precedence. They get the written stuff. But what is one of the most valuable things a lawyer has? Oh, oh, which comes from a witness. It comes from a witness. So, there, uh, so often we think we're supposed to be witnesses, and we actually mistake it for being a lawyer. We think when we go tell somebody about Christ, we've got to present this whole case we learned in seminary or from this thing. Now, you should know how to present the gospel. You should know how, but you know what your best presentation is? As a witness, sharing with others what he has done for you. That's why we constantly see life from God's perspective so we can help others do it. It's much more organic, and it's the way he planned it. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to evangelism school, not wrong to learn, but dude, they want to see what he's done in your life. You're a witness. A witness is this. Man, I was here, and I saw this. I experienced it. All you're doing is telling others what he's done for you and for your family or the people you're around. How many of y'all heard a witness this morning? Man, some of y'all, for a, a half hour worth of witness. Is God alive or what? If I'm a lawyer and I want to present a case, dude, man, all I got to do that God's alive, I just play that first half hour or so of, of service. He's a witness. That's what he's done. I just tell people what he did. I don't have to present a case. I don't want to get in a theological argument with somebody. You do need to know your doctrine. But nine times out of ten, when somebody wants a theological argument, the Holy Spirit's not really working in their heart. They're not ready to receive it. And anything, I think Adrian Rogers, anybody ever heard of Adrian Rogers? Back in the day, Adrian Rogers said, anything I can talk you into, the devil can talk you out of. Man, what a shame if I were to have such a great scholarly, theological argument that I could talk somebody into believing they were saved and they were really lost. Wow. You know what? The gospel's simple, man. Here it is. I was, I was lost, no hope of heaven. I'm a sinner like everyone else. And I realized there's a penalty for sin, and that penalty is eternal death. And I can't do anything about it. But one day, God came in my life and said, hey, Christ paid for your sins. And if you'll surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him at this point, you'll be saved forever. Man, I'm one beggar trying to show another beggar where I got a piece of bread. That's what a witness is. So look what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now check this out. We'll go back to witness. But where? In Jerusalem. That's where they were. In Judea, that's the bigger area, and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When we preached through Acts, what we did, y'all remember if anybody was here, Karen, I know you were here at that time, but we talked about the whole theme of the book of Acts at the beginning through this was you are a poster child for Christ. Everybody do that, man, just to stay awake. You're a poster child for Christ. That's what he wants you to be, a poster child for Christ. You represent him no matter what your situation. That's why he's got you in that condo. That's why that new neighbor moved in. That's why the new pool Nazi took over. That's why this has happened and that's happened. And they're building, dude, Zane, on that pass-through island. You know what somebody's doing now? You know how you go in the back and you just pull in all the boats? Somebody's building a dock. They got pylons. They got real equipment, dude. They're building a dock. Dude, I wanted to bring my chainsaw and cut it down. And God said, no. I'm like, oh, come on, God. In spite of that, I got to be a witness. A witness is, he's going to give us power to be a witness. He's going to give us power to do whatever it takes to live a godly life in lieu of our circumstances. You understand that's what a witness is? A witness testifies, yeah, this is how I lived a godly life. This is how I did not go back and get my chainsaw and cut that. Dude, there were planks, actually. Two things. I was thinking, dude, I could use them planks at home. Another thing, if I throw them out in the river, they'll float away. And there's plywood. You know why I didn't? Because it wouldn't have been a good witness. I prayed about it. God, can I destroy this dock they erroneously put here? No. 
you be a witness. Because you're going to come back and check on it, and you're going to probably meet those people. i got to be a witness. A witness. God, when he gives you power to be a witness, he gives you the power to make it through everything and anything he has allowed to come in your life. You understand? That's where the power, the power is not some superficial thing that you can whip out of your pocket and use indiscriminately on anything you want. The power for being a witness is the power to make it through a situation that God has so designed for your life. How many of y'all know you have a situation that is very unique to you that is kind of out of your hands? Anybody? Yeah. All you transient people, for those who don't want to your hand, this church I told somebody the other day, we got so many people in transition in this church. Don't have any clue, but that, maybe God brought them here because this is where they're going to hear this. But the fact is, is that power is, what do I do now, God? And I do it. Not maybe what the five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan is. What, give us this day our daily bread. What do I do right now? And how many of y'all believe if you take each step God wants you to take, you'll end up where he wants you to end up? Amen. That's what a witness is. That's what the power. It's not so I can, you know, do some crazy thing. It is. Whatever situation God's got you in, you need his power to successfully make it through. And when people say, wow, dude, I ought to cut that dog down. I'm like, yeah, well, you ain't got God, man. Let me, let me share this with you. Again, he gives us the power to get through successfully the way he wants us to get through whatever situation we're in. So it's not a matter of changing the outside like we always pray. Most of the time, it's a matter of changing the inside. Amen? Yeah. Y'all don't say that like you like it. <laughs> It'd be so much easier if he just fixed that restaurant where I used to like the menu and the way they did all that. I'm just throwing stuff out there, man. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witness here, there, and everywhere. There's no limits. You need to represent Christ wherever you are at, and you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's all I got to say about that. But there's more. <laughs> so here's the prayer. And in this prayer, he tells us, listen to this. This almost sounds kind of new age, but I promise it's not. It's actually old age, which new age got from old age. And now this is, th this is new, all right, for us. Pray for your inner being. That's what he, don't pray for your outer being, pray for your inner being, to be healed from the inside out. Man, that's what's happening, so that things happen from the inside out. Pray for your inner being to have spiritual what? Strength. That's where it all starts. That's what Paul prays for in this prayer. So look at this very quickly. Romans 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, I mean, not Romans, Ephesians, verse 14 and 16 says, for this reason. I bow my knees before the Father. We saw that in verse 1. He started the prayer, and then he had to go in and say, oh, yeah, before I tell you, I just want you guys to know that God did something pretty awesome. He took Jews who were on the outs inside looking out, waiting for a Messiah, and he took Gentiles who were on the outside looking in and thought they had no hope of salvation for a Messiah. He said he took those and everybody, took away their race, took away their culture, took away everything and made Christ a priority. He made a new race is what he actually says in Ephesians chapter 2. We're no longer black, we're no longer white, we're no longer German, we're no longer whatever you guys all are. Where are y'all from, man? I'm, I'm messing with you. Dutch? Is it Dutch? I, I'm so confused by, by, you guys tried in the Bahamas to explain to me the whole like uh, geographical area, and I don't know, what do y'all call yourself? Yeah, that. You're not that anymore. If you're a believer, you're a believer. That takes top priority in all of it. For this reason, he says, man, when I think about the fact that God took every human being and, and, and made them into one new race that are Christians, that their whole life centers around me, he said, man, I just had to fall to my knees. Last week, we even heard something pretty cool about this. He said, man, he said, the angels don't really know much about like with my wisdom, I mean, they've, you know, they're created beings and there's fallen angels, but there's all these that everybody does what I say in heaven. It's all good. But man, the angels are learning about redemption through the church. They're learning about, they don't understand it. So as they see Zane do something right, they, they see a situation come up and they're like, oh, there ain't no way Zane's going to get that right. 
Oh, there ain't no way, dude. I know Zane. He's not. And the angels see Zane do it right. And they're like, oh, my goodness, your grace works, God. And they do that with every single one of us. It says that in, in that Ephesians, the beginning of this chapter in verse 3, it says that the, the God is the teacher. It says that the angels are the students. The church is the illustration. And his manifold awesome wisdom is the subject. He's teaching the angels about how awesome he is by the way he changes us. Amen? And it gives the angels an opportunity to praise God. Who praises God the best? Angels or us, Marissa? Right now. Right now, it's angels. Dude. And one day, we're going to be in that choir with them. We'll be with them. But, man, how many of y'all gave the angels, a re through obedience, gave the angels a reason to praise God this week? Anybody? Yeah. They're like, oh, my good. Wait, watch Mary. She did it. And they didn't say, wow, Mary's awesome. You know what they did? They said, I know Mary. God is awesome. Anytime we were obedient, they had a reason to praise God because of his awesome grace and wisdom. Man, if you can get them Canadians to obey, oh, my goodness. You know, I had to pick on you Canadians at least once today, right? Because I love you, my brother, right? If you can get them to obey, oh, my goodness, anybody can. If you can save Pastor Eddie, dude, you can save anyone. They're blown away by God's grace. He's using it. So he said, man, when I keep thinking about all this stuff, look what he says. I got no choice but to fall to my knees and pray. You ever been so blown away by God, Kevin, that you just got to fall to your knees and pray? Hopefully it's not while you're piloting a DC-3, right? Yeah. Because they don't have autopilot like them fancy, you know, commercial jets do, right? You know, yeah. But man, that's what he's talking about. He said, dude, I'm so blown away by God Almighty. The more I know about him, the more I see from him, the more I experience him, the more nothing else matters. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah, how many of you are there now? How many of you would like to get there again? So we go through this whole sanctification process, but that's where he wants us to be, where he's at. And God had to put him in prison to get there. So he says, look at this. So he goes on and says, from whom every, he's talking about God. I have to bow on my, get down on my knees and pray to God from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Few ways of taking it. If you have a New Living Translation, the way they interpret that is from God who made everything. He created, and is that true? God created everything. So man, when I think about everything that the God who made everything has done, I just got to fall to my knees and pray. But in this, in the context, it seems more logical that what he's talking about is the families in heaven that are born again because they have his name and the families on earth that have his name. How many of y'all have his name right now because you're born again? Amen. Yeah. So, so he's saying, man, the one, how many of y'all know people in heaven that you know are in heaven because they have his name? They were born again. That's what, so it seems that's what he's talking about. Man, so I'm praying to this God who is responsible for everyone's salvation. And if he can save you, what can he not do? Was there anything harder than saving you? How many of y'all realize you were the hardest one in the world to save? And the rest of you that are living in your own pride, well, I wasn't nearly as hard as my wife. I wasn't really as hard as that person or my, oh, my neighbor. Oh, my goodness. No, dude. You were all dead. <laughs> you, I say this, just say this. I know this is going to hurt somebody, man. But say, I was the hardest one for God to save. Yeah. How many of y'all believe that? Yeah. Harder than your neighbor. That has to cut into our pride. Did you notice my pirate voice there? Arr, harder than your neighbor. <laughs> that really didn't even come on purpose. It just happened. I've been in Keone mode here. But. So look, man, that's what he's saying. Dude, if God can save me and save those people, what can't he do? That's the ultimate. It's like delivering Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites out of Egypt. He always wanted them going back to that monumental event. If I can do that, dude, don't you think I can take care of you here? How many of you are trusting that when you die, you have no more breath in your lungs, your nerves are gone, your brain dead, when you are laying there, Tom, when you're laying there dead, what can you do? So who are you trusting to take you to heaven? God. So why in the world can't you trust him for that? Why can't you trust him for all the other stuff on this planet? Amen? 
How many of y'all are like, oh, I can't, tr- I don't know if I can really trust God for that. Dude, this is the hardest thing. You can trust him for anything else. So he says, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according, oh my goodness, look at this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your where? You mean he doesn't want to put some, like I know y'all are Star Wars fans and I, I've never even watched, so I don't know, do they have some sort of bubble or something? Is there some kind of force field that, you know, pew, 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 oh, I don't have to worry about it, you know, there should be, might be the next movie, but he's not trying to put a force field, dude. He, look what he wants to strengthen, your inner being, that's what he wants to strengthen. Read that again, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your where? So what does he want to change? That Paul's saying, dude, more important than changing your outer being. Zane, y'all are working on changing your outer being, aren't you? But if all you do is go to the gym and eat what she wants, she's changing your inner being to change your outer being on that. But what if you get your body all in great shape, but your soul is a mess? You're a mess, exactly. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. You're like, oh, you're just making excuse for being fat. No, I'm not. I'm just... <laughs> I'm good with this, but no, I'm not. <laughs> no, but listen, man, that inner man, that's what it's about. So that's what he's saying. But look at this. So he wants us to change from the inside out. It, didn't we even hear that in Romans 12, 1 and 2? Man, uh, I, I beseech you, my brethren, by the mercies of God, because he's been so merciful that you make your bodies a living sacrifice so we can know what is good and, and what is right in all of this. And, and, and where is it again? Do you guys remember where he says, don't be conformed to the world, which is being changed from which way to which way? Conformed is being changed from the outside in. He said, but be transformed like a butterfly and a bullfrog. Y'all remember them little kid songs? If you do, I know you should be working with the kids. I'm just saying, no. <laughs> bullfrogs and butterflies, man, they're transformed from the inside out. He says, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts from the inside out, man. And so he's, he said, man, according to his riches and glory, that he may grant you this, to be strengthened with power through the spirit for your, everybody say the last word, inner being. Doesn't matter how strong your outer being is. I've been a pastor long enough to know that you can have the most fortified portfolio, the most beautiful houses, cars, and all kinds of things. But boy, it's amazing what happens to all of that external stuff when God really wants to get your attention. God is way more concerned with your character being like him than he is your external comfort. And you've got, and it blows people away. You ever been in a situation in life where all of a sudden you're not as concerned about all that external stuff and you're on the inside and you're at total peace? And they're like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? You know? It's fine. But look what he says, how he's going to strengthen you. According to the riches of his glory. How rich is God's glory? Dude, there's nothing richer. That he may grant you to be strength, uh, that, that according to the riches. All right, so the difference in according to and from so if I had a million bucks and I gave you a dollar from my million bucks, I would give you some riches from it. But if I gave it to you according to my riches, how much would I be giving you? A whole lot more than a dollar. <laughs> that's, what, that's the difference. So not from, he's dishing out a little bit, but according to his riches, by the same measure as his riches, he's willing to dish out on you as much inner strength as you need. He grant, so he says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power. Isn't that what we want? Anybody here go to a gym? Yeah, in the gym, dude. Man, just, do guys even wear yoga pants now? I don't know. I've been, been there a long time. I mean, I can see it, bro. But I'm just saying, when you go to the gym, at least when I used to go, which was a long, long time ago, obviously, there were mirrors everywhere. And then you got the guys going, you know? Everybody wants to be strengthened with power. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as that's secondary to the internal power that he wants to strengthen you with. And it's going to be done by his Holy Spirit. So, listen to this, the the progression. 
as your spiritual strength gets stronger, not your external, but your internal strength gets stronger, look what happens. Your relationship with Christ gets deeper. Man, as your internal strength, can you do this while you're being deathly ill and your external strength is dying? Yeah, that's where it happens a lot of times. It happens when God strips us of all the externals that we have made God. You've heard me say it a bunch of times, the whole thing that changed my life and the way I ministered during this whole COVID time and quarantine and everything was I kept hearing people say, it's like God has taken all our gods away from us so that he could become their God. And I'm not saying it's bad, good, I'm just saying that's what God, God's responsible for this. Oh, we may give Fauci and them credit in China or whoever, whatever you read, you know, give somebody credit. But God's responsible. He's taken away all our gods so that we will make him God. And I hope you get that. I hope that's what's happened with you. Because I've seen it happen with a lot of people. I've seen revival. So as your spiritual strength gets stronger, even while your physical... How many of y'all know you can't do what you used to be able to do? How many of y'all realize your physical strength is going, yeah. Gary, remember a few years back, you were like, all right, I'm going to surf one last time, man. And you brought out that little board. I'm like, Gary, man, we need some foam. Foam's your friend, bro. Now I'm there. <laughs> I remember Gary on that board, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm done. I'm not getting up. Whereas one day you could pop up in your, in your sleep, man, and ride giant waves without even a fin, you know. He's got some stories, y'all. Y'all listen to some surf stories from him. But, man, so as even our outer man is dying, and it's getting weaker, our inner man is supposed to get stronger. How many of you would say that you're getting more mature and spiritually stronger as you get older? That's what we should be doing. He said, and so in this, if as we get spiritually stronger, our relationship with Christ gets deeper. Look at Ephesians 3.17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded love. So it's part of the next part, but look at this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's a couple of words for dwell in the Greek, all right? One is, how many of you ever had somebody living, like a roommate or somebody living with you that is like, yes, this is awesome. And you all get along. It's a permanent residence. They feel comfortable. You feel comfortable. It's a match made in heaven. Anybody? It's a good thing to raise your hand if you have a wife or husband here and it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> How many of y'all have the perfect roommate and they married you? Yes, amen. There's that word for dwell. And then there's another one. How many of y'all ever moved to Florida? Well, all y'all. But I'm just saying, how many of y'all moved to Florida? And you know, for the first couple of years, everybody visits you from all, your old hometown, right? And you love them and everything, right? You guys are just starting that, aren't you? You know what I'm saying, dude? Others are like, oh, my goodness, yep, yeah, they're at home now. But, uh, and, and some of them you want visiting you. And How many of y'all would be honest and admit there's some that you're obligated to have them stay in your house? Okay, right. And thank you for not lying because I know I see you on, you know, you live on the other coast here, but I, I hear you on, you know, our Bible study on Monday night. Which, by the way, she comes to our Bible study. That's Pam. She comes to our Bible study on Monday nights via Zoom. And we have people from five, six different states on that, which is pretty cool. And I guess you get to see her and her husband, Tom, in person today, which is awesome. But I do know they have people coming and visiting them that are really not that welcome to visitors. <laughs> I hope they're not watching today. I'm not saying you're nasty or mean, but you know what I'm talking about. You got people, yep, I did tell you you could come. Go ahead, come, stay here. And it's like, whoa, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> They change everything. They act like they own it. They act like they're entitled. Again, that's another word for dwell. There's one where it's just an uncomfortable, awkward, I'm doing it because I have nothing better to do. And there's another one that says, man, this is a match made in heaven. Guess which one this is talking about, what Paul's desiring for you, that Christ may dwell. He's talking about the one where Christ is actually comfortable in your home, which is you. He's comfortable living in you because of the places you take him. The omnipresence of God. It ain't a matter like Joe Dirt's mom used to say, well, is that where you want to be when God comes, Jesus comes back? No, he's living in you right now. Wherever you go, whatever you look at, whatever you watch, whatever you talk about, however you act, you have brought him with you there. And he's saying, man, I'm praying that you and God, you and Christ who dwells in you, 
can have a relationship where God is stoked everywhere you bring him. Everything you talk about, everything you do, he's comfortable living in your home. That's the goal, but it's got to change from the inside out. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, and it's going to happen through faith. The more you trust his way is right and your way is wrong, the more he dwells through faith. That you being, look at this, rooted and grounded in love. These two words, rooted, obviously you're talking about a a big tree. Hey, Alex, we were over there on the island the other day, right? And you remember the Australian pines, dude? How many of y'all who've lived here a while would love to have a 60, 70 foot Australian pine, beautiful, right next to your house? No? Alex, why would they not want a beautiful, what would cause them to not want a beautiful Australian pine right next to their house in the middle of a hurricane? Yeah, their roots are wide, but they're shallow. And as soon as the wind comes, they fall over. This is not what he's talking. He's saying, man, you are rooted, dude. You are rooted. It's like non-native pine tr- uh, palm trees fall over. But, dude, these cabbage palms, a sable palm, man, that'll stay. It bends. It makes it through it. And then you don't have to call Zane to come over in knee-high water to cut it with his chainsaw and get it out of your yard. But you remember that? <laughs> Yeah, Hurricane Matthew, man. He's like, is there anything that causes you to wear shoes? And I'm like, I still remember that. I'm like, not much. But he says that you being rooted, deep roots that can't be uprooted, and that comes through faith in Christ and grounded in love. You know what ground it's talking about? It's talking about footers on a building. And those footers are more important than the building you build on top of it. What did Jesus even say? The dude who builds a house on the sand and the dude who builds a house on a solid foundation. The one who builds on the sand is like the one that hears my words and doesn't apply them. The one who builds it on the rock, that's the one. When the storm comes, because the storm's coming, he said they're going to survive. The foundation's way more important than what you build on the foundation. And so the foundation's got to be Christ through faith is what he's talking about here. And then, look at this, as your relationship with Christ gets deeper, your comprehension, your understanding, not your knowledge, but your your, your experiential knowledge of God's love becomes fuller. Hey, why, Chris, why did you love God at first? Because he loved you first. As you found out how much he loved you, you fell in love with him. The only way, uh, prove me wrong. I should have a little table here that says prove me wrong, right? Prove me wrong. The more you understand about how much God loves you, the more you love him. The only way we can even love God more is as we learn more about how much he loves for us. So that's what he's saying, man. Change from the outside in, Paul says. And let him change you, you know. And and, and then as you let him change you from the inside out, your relationship with him goes deeper. And since he is love, the real definition of love, as it goes deeper, you will experientially understand God's love even fuller. Look at this next verse. He goes on to say, may, that you may have strength to comprehend. So again, to be able to even comprehend God's love, it's got to come from strength, and that strength's got to come from Christ. It's got to be internal. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. That you may have strength to comprehend Fully to grasp, that's what it's called. Hey, uh, do I have any, I don't know, maybe somebody knows about biology. I was reading this, I wish I had written it down, and I didn't. But there's, the word that this word comprehend comes from means to grasp something. And it's actually a scientific word for what a monkey's tail does. <laughs> like they use that, that, that root word, and they're talking, they have this type of tail. So all you homeschool moms, there you go, there's your science lesson. Find out what that monkey's tail is called, what it is. It's kind of a, uh, it's a word that means it's able to hold, what did she say? Oh my goodness, the Taylor twins, say it again. Prehensile, yes, comprehensile, prehensile. They have a prehensile tail. Gavin, do you have a prehensile tail? Not for grasping trees, I'll tell you that. (laughs) They have a tail that's prehensile, it's the same root word that means they can use it to hang on. How good can a monkey hang on to a tree with its tail? Way better than us. And that's what he's talking about. You have a faith that allows you to hang on to what God says and how he's changing you on the inside out. He's saying, man, you may have, he's saying, the closer you get to Christ, the more you're going to be able to hang on and truly grasp and understand with all the saints 
What is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth of what? And know the love of Christ, the, 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 the dimensions of his, of his love. And, and again, for I just think you can look it up on Facebook. You can look there, but how, how, how high is his love? He can take us to heaven, right? How deep is his love? How many of y'all have, did he, Gary, did he have to go very deep to get you? Oh, my goodness. Me too. How many of y'all do you have to go really deep to get? Everybody raise your hand and say, me. He had to go all the way down to get us. Man, and he just reaches. It's wide. It's deep. It's all those things. But he said, you're not going to fully understand it and be able to grasp it until you go deeper in your relationship with Christ. He said, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You can't get it through knowledge. You can't get it through a Bible study. You can't get it through seminary and reading books. You get it from experiencing it. That you may be, look at, what's this next word? That you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. Hey, how many of y'all think it'd be pretty cool to have God? How many of y'all think it'd be cool to have a lot of God? Look what he's praying. This was what, pray this for your kids. Pray this for your mate. Pray this for the neighbor you don't like. But look what it is. Be filled. When you're full, is there any room for anything else, Zane? And you're full with what? All the fullness of God. And so because it's in Scripture, we know this is something we can have. And we should be praying for that, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Last part. As your comprehension of God's love becomes fuller, when you find out what God, what God has done for you, I'm just thinking Valentine's Day, and I know I'm going back to the external superficial, but how many of you, if your husband or wife did something, you could think of something they could do so phenomenal that would blow you away that you would have to just tell everyone? Can you think of anything? You don't have to say it out loud. I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on you guys right now, but... <laughs> And, and again, it's just a holiday, it's Valentine's Day, do what you want to do on all of that. But I'm just saying, have you ever felt love so much that you had to tell everybody about it? That, look what he's saying, as your comprehension of God's love becomes fuller, as you understand it and grab onto his love for you, it becomes fuller, your ability to give God glory becomes greater. You can't shut up about what he's doing, and that's what it's all about is glory. Look at this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ever asked or thought or dreamed. Wouldn't that be a great thing for your wife to say? Uh, again, I'm not pushing Valentine's Day, but guys, get the hint, all right? I'm just saying, and I'm really, I have no stock in Hallmark, none of that. Maybe y'all might have even made a pack, say, we're not doing anything for Valentine's Don't fall for it, guys. <laughs> Don't fall for it. I'm just saying, <laughs> they're just not expecting much out of you. You can blow them away, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be financial or monetarial. Some of y'all women are like, yeah, it does. No, but it doesn't. It could be some inside, man. I'm just saying, look, would it not blow you away if you're like, dang, never expected that out of them? <laughs> oh, my goodness, that was awesome. Where'd you think of that? You know, how many ever had somebody do something like that for you? And again, it's not necessarily financial, material, temporal. It could be just the opposite. But this is what he's saying of what we'll find out about God. He said, now to him, God, who is able to do far more abundantly, way more than you could ever imagine. How many of y'all think God's awesome? I'm going to tell you, he's awesomer. <laughs> he's awesomer, than, more awesome than you even think he is right now. He, and you only find that as you start changing from the inside out, you start understanding and grabbing onto his love for you. Man, as you go deeper in that love, you find out how awesome he is, and then you give him that glory. He's far more abundant, uh, far more able to do far more abundantly than all that we even ask. How many of you ever asked for something and God blew you away with something totally different, so much better? That's what it's talking about. Better than you could even think. According to the power at work within us. So where is God? Right in us. And this is what Paul's saying. I'm not asking you guys to kind of grab something new. I want you to have full potential out of what you have. Man, I'll tell you, my boat motor, did I ever mention I have a boat and there's a boat motor and we didn't have one, now we got one, right? Did I ever mention that? Anybody heard that story before? Well, dude, I got 10 hours on it. She's broken in and they told me, 
uh, the guy, uh, Travis told me, uh, he said, man, you're going to have to like pull her down full throttle. And on full throttle, I want to know what your RPMs are, know whether we got good, you know, we got the right, you know, prop and everything. And I'm going two-thirds throttle, dude, and I'm doing 30, which my girls would have been screaming 15 miles prior. And I'm like up there, and I'm going. That's, that's what it used to be. And I'm already thinking, dude, this is a big bathtub, dude. I don't know if I really want to go faster. He's like, you got to go full throttle. you got to go full throttle. I'm like, all right, Lord Jesus, please. All right, don't kill me. Get died doing going full throttle. So I get out there in the river, and it's a little choppy. I go full throttle. I never dreamed my boat would do 45. Isn't that exciting, Ashley? (laughs) She still wants 15-mile-an-hour tops, but oh, my goodness, full. I never dreamed my boat could go so fast. And then on the way back, you know how one way you hit chop, one way you're going with it, one against. I'm going against the chop. And I'm up there, I'm going like, all right, 30's enough, bam, bam. Remember how we, on the way back from the reefs, we're going bam, bam. Dude, when you take it off a 30 and you go full throttle and you're going 40 over that chop, it's just like, no, chop at all. I'm going, I never dreamed my boat could do that. This is awesome. Yeah, you can go you on that. Yeah, I never dreamed. That's a little inkling of what I'm talking about. When you change, you make the gist of your prayers. God, not about changing my externals. Change my internals. And as you change my internals, man, I have a deeper walk with you, a deeper trust with you. I love you more, and I realize how much more you love me. And man, as I start to understand that love, man, I got no reason but to do anything but give you glory because you're blowing me away with things I never dreamt or expected or couldn't even think of that you would have done. Man, that's what he's talking about here. And he's in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So it didn't stop at a previous generation. It's from Pentecost on as far as this is concerned. Forever and ever, amen. And one day in heaven, it's going to be perfect. So pray more for your inside than you do for your outside. I know I didn't say that quite right. And you're like, oh, how many all type A people said he didn't say it right? <laughs> all right, I know y'all are out there, right? I just ruined your whole day. You're like, it was a good message till then. But I'll start again. I'll start again here. Pray for your inside more than your outside. I want to challenge you with that. Because as you pray for your inner being to have spiritual strength, your spiritual strength is going to get stronger and your relationship with Christ will get deeper. And as your relationship with Christ gets deeper, your comprehension of God's love becomes fuller. And your comprehension of God's love becomes fuller and you'll have a better ability to give God glory. That's how Paul prayed. And God seemed to like that prayer, don't you think? So maybe we should mimic it. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. And I am so grateful that I get to talk to the God that holds the tiniest atoms together. And the God that holds the most giant planets from colliding. And Father, I know if either one of those things were out of control, my life would be way different right now at this moment. But it's not because you've got it all under control. You're the God that puts two little tiny glands on each mangrove leaf so it can regulate the salt and exist. And Father, we know we're more important than those mangrove leaves in your scheme of things. In fact, humans, we're your favorite. And so if you've got that taken care of for those mangrove leaves, you got anything we got going on taken care of. Father, the world so wants us to focus on the external. Waste all our effort, time, and energy always trying to orchestrate the external when you want us to focus on that internal. And Father, I know that when we focus on that internal, if you still want the external changed, it'll change. You'll show us how, but help us not get the cart before the horse or however that's put. Help us, Father, to start with the inside. And let you dictate what we do on the outside. Help us have your mind. Father, I pray that as we change from the inside to out, I pray, Father, we would have a deeper understanding of your love. And as we have a deeper understanding of your love, because we have a deeper relationship with you, 
I pray that our life would be full of giving you glory. Realizing that every single situation in our life is there by your design. For your glory and for our good to become more like you. Help us not miss that. And I pray that if there's somebody here that's never truly given their life to Christ, then this is total nonsense to them. I pray, Father, that you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to accept faith and put trust in you and let that faith start in their heart and then go to their head. Show them the fallacy of the fact of them trying to figure out an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God in their own finite mind and then believing. Father, I pray they would believe and then you would prove it to them. And I pray you would strengthen all of our faiths through this. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.